0: Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristians.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Just ask it
1: with the pastor's Hey everybody, Uh, let me introduce myself if we haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name is Pastor Guy. If you're part of Fox River, I know you know that, but I also know that we've got a lot of friends that are joining with us and just kind of checking things out right now. And really, we are so glad that you are. In the format that we get to do today, just being able to field some questions, I am going to prove again that it is possible for me to over answer any question that I'm given. So, here we go
0: what's your favorite food
1: my favorite food that is a hard question for a foodie to answer but my favorite food has to be anything that I am pulling off of my green egg if you have not seen one of these experiences before then you have a great experience that's waiting for you I actually have a little bit here with me uh, if I want the team to check this out, mm, just smell that. I've got some ribs here. We've got some brisket. But whether it's steak, fish, love grilled shrimp, we've made pizza, stuffed peppers are super. In fact, grilled peaches are a treat. So, favorite food, anything that's coming off of our green eggs. Did I say eggs? Oh, I guess that's right. I actually have two of them now. Hey guys,
0: it's Pastor Rob, just hanging out in my office here and uh, feeling the pain a little bit of, you know what, man, there's not many people around. And uh, um, usually usually get to just spend a lot of time um, with several of you, as well as our staff, and obviously things have changed, and so we're making changes with that as we go here as well. So I hope you look forward to some of what we've got for you this weekend. Do you exercise? Do I exercise? Isn't it obvious? Come on. What are you saying here? Actually, what I do is I know the benefit of exercise. And so I'll walk about a mile and a half every single day. If I can't get outside, then it's the elliptical. hate the elliptical just because I just hate being indoors um, for that long doing exercise. When it gets nice out, um, I'll go ahead and do some uh, biking as well. So Tried to do that to keep in a little bit of shape. Um, my son likes to lift weights, and so tried a little bit of that. Haven't done that for quite a few years. Just got back into um, a little bit of that as well.
2: Hey, I'm Bill. I'm the online campus pastor. And when it comes to like questions and answers, I just love being a part of those discussions. So I'm really looking forward to these next few minutes that I've been given to talk.
0: What is your biggest pet peeve?
2: My biggest pet peeve is probably as of late since last summer, it's my children leaving the toilet seat up because our dog, our golden doodle, she loves, like she's always thirsty, right? She's, she loves just drinking out of the toilet. It doesn't matter what's in there, she'll drink, all right? So, and that, like, that annoys me big time. What's your favorite animal?
1: I think kids ask the best questions. And Cammy, when you asked me what my favorite animal was, I am just so excited to be able to share this. My favorite animal is the rhinoceros. The rhinoceros just looks cool and powerful. In fact, I've got one right here that I have in my office. A Couple of cool things about the rhinoceros is this. It has no natural predators. It is that powerful. The rhinoceros can run between 35 and 40 miles an hour. Now, that's faster than any human can run. Hussein Bolt, fastest man in the world, runs about 28 miles an hour. So with rhinoceros being able to run so fast, here's the thing to remember. They can only see about 30 yards in front of them. So you've got an animal that can weigh up to two tons that's running 40 miles an hour, but can't see where it's going. Now, that is cool, isn't it? Oh, by the way, a group of rhinoceros together, do you know what you call that group? They call them a crash, and I think that you know why. Hey, Cammy, here's one other thing you might think um, is cool. The way that rhinoceros communicate with each other is through their poop. True. I love the rhinoceros. How did God create us?
0: What a great question, Brody. You know what? God actually started with two people only, Adam and Eve. And so what he did was he created Adam. And the Bible tells us the way he did that was very, very interesting. He formed the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into that his breath, the breath of life. So I guess you could say that every man and every boy is a piece of dirt, really. That's how we all started. Then when he went on to create Eve, he did it in another very unique way. And Brody, what he did was this. God came to Adam he says, I'm going to create someone who's going to be a help for you. In fact, she's going to be so intelligent. She's going to be gorgeous. She's going to be beautiful. She's going to have all these great characteristics. She's going to do things for you even before you think of them. She's going to be perfect. Well, Adam looked at God and he said, well, God, how much is that going to cost me? And God said, well, you know, what? it's just going to cost you an arm and a leg. Well, Adam looked back at God and he said, well, what can I get for a rib? Okay, not really. That's not quite how it happened. There was a rib involved, though, because we go back to that same passage where he tells us that that he breathed life into the dust to create man. He tells us that he had Adam go to sleep, and while he was asleep, he took one of his ribs, and he created Eve out of that rib to the point where Adam, after he woke up, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Well, then what God did was he said, now you, Adam and Eve, the first two people, I want you to fill the earth with people. And so they went ahead. And as a result of that, Brody, you are here today. But how all the things happened to make that happen, that's a good
1: question to ask your parents. Why was the lion so loud last week? A quick shout out to Colin. Your question about Why the lion roared so loud last week was so good. Now, the reason that we did it is because the lion actually is one of the loudest roaring creatures that there are. We kept it loud just to be able to keep it real. So I hope you liked it. Thanks for asking that cool question, Colin.
0: Where is the Garden of Eden?
2: Hey Alex, a great question about the Garden of Eden. Like where is it for real? Like you and I are asking this question together. Here would be my answer. If the Garden of Eden is a physical place, which it just might be, right? Um, Where is it now? I would say nobody has a clue. And here's why I would say that. There was a flood that happened in the days of Noah and, and the entire earth was just devastated. And when the floodwaters receded or when they went down and dry land became visible once again, um, everything was just mixed up. It was just a, a big junkyard of mud and bones and stuff like that. So we don't know where anything was. Hope that helps.
0: Why does God allow us to struggle through things like
1: the coronavirus? This really is the question that we're all asking, isn't it? And even in my response, I hope that you will feedback with us. In other words, keep the questions going deeper and further. You can do that online right now. You can do it Facebook throughout this week, and other follow-up questions that we have. Why does God allow us to struggle with things like the coronavirus? Really, could be taken to this question, right? Why does God allow us to struggle? Let's take that both from the head, you know, some of the truths of it, but then make sure that we've concluded with the heart, knowing God's heart for us even in struggles. To begin with, we may not know all of the why that God would allow something like this. You see, he has said, the Lord has secrets that no one knows. We're not accountable for those. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. That's Deuteronomy 29, 29, in which God is simply saying, there's some things that you're not going to know on this side of heaven. If you're familiar with the story of Job, you know that he went through tremendous struggles. In the end, God's working is unmistakable, but he never gives Job the answer to the why he went through the things that he went through. This is a principle that we, and I'm going to put it this way this is a principle that I need, especially at the time of struggle in my life. And it's remembering this that in struggles, I am either going to be better or bitter through them. I'm either going to be closer to God or further from Him through the struggle that I'm facing in my life. You see, God has said that in struggles, he works. Romans 8:28 he says that in all things he God works. He works for our good. Now, the context of what's being said there is difficult things, hard things, struggles. And God works specifically to help me us become more like Jesus. James, the very first letter that was written to the church, says this. Verse 1 Chapter one, he said, hey, everybody. In verse two, he goes on to say this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. In other words, whenever you face struggles, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And if we'll let perseverance finish its work, then we're gonna be mature and complete. That is, there are things that God is going to do through our struggles that wouldn't be accomplished without it. In my struggles, I can tell you this, is when my faith grows the most, when my trust in God grows the most as well. Please hear me in this. In struggles, God is inviting us. He's inviting us, first of all, to pray and to draw close to him. And secondly, he's inviting us to join him in his working. The struggles you and I are facing, they're real. I mean, if you're going through job loss, if you've got sickness in home or in family members, it may be for you, it's a financial thing with all of these dominoes that are falling right now. That is so real. And it is scary at the same time. There's a lot of reason for fear coming in. But in that, in those real things we're going through, God is saying this, I am with you and I want you to join me. When we see the opportunities of others in their struggles, we can speak to them about the one who gives peace, that's Jesus, and the one who gives life as well. Because even more important than the difficulties we face in this world is the reality that all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. And people's hearts in these days are becoming more open with the uncertainty that they're in And to be able to share the message of Jesus, many, many people are going to be able to, to realize that's what I really need in my life and open themselves up more to God's working. If you're a healthcare worker, let me encourage you this. If you have the opportunity, ask the person that you're caring for, is there something you can pray with them about? If you're a public servant, I mean, if you're a police officer and you're interacting with somebody, would you ask them, is there something I can pray with you about? We're not forcing anything, but we are just opening ourselves up to helping a person at their heart level as well as whatever their physical needs may be.
0: Is having faith in Jesus a choice or a gift? That's a great question. In fact, I've heard that question quite a few times, worded maybe a little bit differently each time, but faith is actually both. It's both a choice and a gift. And one of the best places we see that is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where it tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Notice in that verse what it's saying is that salvation is the gift, and the faith is the choice that opens that gift up to us meaning that each and every one of us has a responsibility to receive that gift, just like any gift, right? When you think of Christmas time and, and someone has a gift for you, it's still up to you whether you're going to receive it or you're going to reject it. And so the the faith in Jesus is exactly like that. It's a gift that he offers. Jesus, when he referred to faith, though, one of the things we have to have to remember and realize is it only takes a small amount. He says that if you will have faith as as small as or as big as, whatever way you want to look at it, a mustard, mustard seed, which is the smallest seed, basically, that he had. And he said, if you would have faith just of that amount, God will use that faith. There's another faith as well that's spoken of in the Bible, in particular in 1 Corinthians, that is the gift of faith. And it's a spiritual gift. And what that means is, After you've received that initial gift of salvation, every believer is given a spiritual gift, and one of those gifts is the gift of faith. And all that means is that for some people, it's easier for them to accept some of the truths that God has given to them. It doesn't mean it's non-existent for everyone else, and it doesn't mean that it's not a choice for that person. It's still a choice. It just may come easier for them than it would for others. What did Jesus experience between Good Friday and Easter?
2: What did Jesus experience between Good Friday and Easter Sunday? In one word, I would say this: joy. Hebrews 12:2 tells us this: that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, while he was on the cross, he was looking forward to the joy. All right? The joy of not only this, that the suffering would come to an end. It's a temporary thing, right? But also the joy of securing the bride of Christ. He was securing his bride for all of eternity. The church, all who would believe in him, he was achieving their salvation in those moments on the cross. And that brought him joy that he was looking forward to. But I would say in the most superior sense, in the most overarching way, it would be this. He was looking forward to the joy of glorifying his Father. He was bringing the Father glory through the work on the cross. With all that said, I think the question actually wasn't even asking that. I think the question was probably asking this. Hey, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, where did Jesus go? And the answer to that would be this. He went somewhere. Maybe it'd be better to say this though. He went somewheres, like plural. Okay, scripturally speaking, we see this in Luke 23. Jesus is having a very short conversation with the thief on the cross that was dying next to him. And and, and the thief just proclaimed or professed faith in, in Jesus as the Christ. And here's what Jesus says to him. He says, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. So we see scripturally speaking, where did Jesus go after he died on the cross? We can say with confidence he went to paradise. Now, that's not the only place he went. He also went, All right, We see this in Matthew twelve forty. We see this. Jesus' teaching, it says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Meaning, Jesus, when he died, he went to the place of the dead. And there, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18, 19, and 20, you got to look this up, all right? Check this out. This is, this is crazy. All right? It says that Christ, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, Jesus then went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison who's that? Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared so we see there that Jesus Christ upon his death he went and he proclaimed to the spirits in prison and and hey you might ask this question just like I did every time I read it I'm like who is that right so we look to Jude 6 to get some of that insight and here's what Jude 6 tells us The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, okay? Think back to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. If you're not familiar with it, you got to read those verses. It'll blow your mind, all right? But there's these angels that disobeyed God in a really ridiculous way. So that's what's in view here, all right? The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. God has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So these angels disobeyed God in the days of Noah and they are put in eternal chains in gloomy darkness. It seems that upon the death of Jesus Christ, Jesus went in the spirit to proclaim the truth. Like think of victory lap. He went and told these spirits who had rebelled against God. He told them, hey, it's done. To telesty, it's finished. The debt that people sinned against God and incurred, it's paid in full. And you didn't see it because you're stuck down here in eternal chains in the gloomy darkness, But but I'm here to tell you, it's finished. I've won the victory. So, we can see clearly from scripture that Jesus went, not only to paradise, but also to the heart of the earth. But let's not get lost in those details, okay? as fun and as interesting and as much conversations can be had there, let's not get lost there, let's remember this above all else. Where's Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father and he is awaiting every child of God to receive them into the fullness of the presence of God.
0: I feel like I'm doing wrong things and that is why God is not answering my prayers. Is that how it works? If I am bad, will God not help me?
1: This is such an interesting question. Now, if the question is asking, can I sin freely and unrepentantly, and will God answer my prayer? I think the answer is obvious, but in case it's not, it's no. If the question is asking, um, does God answer the prayer of sinners? Then, think about it. It's yes, because there is no sinnerless, prayer that can be prayed I think the heart of the question though is this how do I know if I'm sinning or not because I don't think God is answering my prayer and I want to just encourage you to ask God that and I'm not being cute or funny with that the Holy Spirit tells us that he will show us he'll convict us he'll show us of sin that's in our life the scriptures will give us great clarity. God tells us that a godly friend, um, it can be a group leader, it can be a pastor, they will help us to discern whether or not there is sin in our life or not. So we don't have to become a victim of an unsure conscience or an oversensitive conscious um, conscience in us. If our question is this, I'm not sinning, but God isn't answering my prayer, then hear me. He actually is. He's just not answering it in the way that you think that he should be. And with that understanding, I hope that you, that we, will just spend a little bit more time thinking about then what does God do? want for me in this area that I'm praying to him about.
0: We are called to forgive people who may have hurt you, but what does God say about forgiving those who haven't asked for forgiveness? You know, I can just imagine with this question, the hurt that's behind it. Whenever we talk about forgiveness, we know it's because we've been wronged. And so in this case, not only the hurt of the wrong but also the ongoing hurt of why won't that person just come to me and admit to to how they've they've hurt me or, or understand how they've hurt me and so with that you know our obviously our greatest desire is that someone come to us so that we can be brought back together that the relationship can be restored well We don't have to have the restoration or actually even have a person actually come and ask for forgiveness in order to to extend it to them. We know this for a couple of reasons. Jesus' disciples came to him, and they asked him if he would teach them to pray. And as a result of that, we have something that many of us know quite well, something called the Lord's Prayer. And the reason we know it quite well is because many of us have repeated it many, many times in our spiritual journey to a point where we've memorized it. The wording may be a little bit different. You know, sometimes the word trespasses is used. Sometimes the word debt or debtor is used. But I want you to think about this as, as I give you that, that middle piece of the Lord's Prayer. Let me read it to you. It tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12. Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What he's saying is we need to forgive and be willing to forgive as we expect to be forgiven by God himself. Imagine this. Jesus, as he was on the cross, looked up to God, his Father, and he said this, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. Imagine that. There was no asking of forgiveness. He tells us even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was no asking for forgiveness there. And so when Jesus says, I want you to forgive, what we're being called to is to be like him. Imagine that. Those who have hurt us, he tells us, in fact, anyone can love someone who's going to love them back. But the greater thing is to be able to love someone who has wronged them, someone who's their enemy. And oftentimes the greatest act of love is forgiveness itself, giving us the opportunity
2: to be like Jesus.
1: What is the most important message of the New Testament?
2: So what's the most important message of the New Testament? I would say this, the most important message of the New Testament, really the Bible as a whole, is this, even though the Bible has so much life to offer us, even though God wants to bless our socks off through his revealed word, the most central, um, the most foundational, the most important message from God to us is this, the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you might ask, okay, well, let's zero in on that. What is the gospel? And I would say it's this. God is good. He's perfect, He's holy, and we are not. We have sinned against Him. We've violated His law. We've rebelled against our Creator. And that creates a sin debt, one so great that we can't repay it. Thankfully, God did something. He sent His only Son, Jesus, to pay, as the Lamb of God, to pay for and to take away the sin of the world. And whoever believes in Jesus, John says it like this in his gospel, To all who received Jesus, God gave them the right to be called children of God. And all they do is believe. You might be thinking at this time, man, that's just, that's just too good to be true. Like, just believe, that's it? I would say, yes, it's just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you're still thinking, that just, Bill, that can't be true. It's just too good to be true. If you're thinking that, I think that's a real strong indicator that you understand the gospel correctly because it is that crazy. All right? It's, it's just beautiful. God sent Jesus to pay for our sin. And all who believe are given that right. Again, to be called the children of God. And the beauty and, and, and the, the, the implications of the gospel, they don't end there. You see, the gospel is the power of God, right to save me from the penalty of sin, right? That's called justification. But the power of God is the gospel to save me from the power of sin as well. right? That's called sanctification. But the gospel is also the power of God to save me from the presence of sin. And that's called glorification. When we're in heaven, it's all over. It's lights out. Sin is gone. It's obliterated. It's a thing of the past in every sense of the word. But to sum it up, the most important message in the New Testament is this, the good news, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: How should we confess our sins?
1: Confession is what brings us, it either brings us into relationship with God or restores it. God knows our what. He also knows our why. And it's at that point that we're willing, when we agree with him, that's when a relationship can be restored. Even in salvation, the heart of the matter is this, it's the realization of my why. I need Jesus because I can't save myself. And If you haven't come to come before God and said, confessed, I am a sinner. I need what Jesus has done for me. I just want to encourage you right now to to do that. In fact, to join me in this prayer. God, thank you that you allowed your son Jesus to come. In fact, you sent him. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross to pay the price of my sin. He died, he's risen again. Jesus, I need what you did on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. And as best I understand, I ask you for that right now. I acknowledge not only the what's, but the fact in my heart that I need you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And friends, for everyone that has just um, prayed that prayer, I hope that you will respond um, back to us. Just let us know. You can do that. You can text us at 555-888. And for everyone that has just received Jesus, we truly are celebrating with you. We want to encourage you in your faith. In fact, you'll see um, on your screen right now how we can just help you in next steps in your faith, which we would love to be able to do.
0: When going through storms in life, it is hard to remember that God is with me. How do we keep remembering God is here?
2: In the storms of life, how can I remember that God is here? How can I remember that God is near? Well, first of all, let's say this. Let's just acknowledge the obvious. There are some serious storms in life, okay? Like nobody's getting out of this thing alive. Nobody's getting out of this life unscathed, right? Storms are just kind of the way it is right now. On top of that, we get some crazy storms every once in a while. For example, coronavirus. So as we work our way through this answer right now, let's paint a picture in our minds to just just help us flesh this out, all right? Check this out. Nicole and I, we got four children. And all four of our children, they go through some storms, all right? Through every single one of them, you know what? I am for them and I am with them. Now, do they always realize that? Do they always know that? Of course not. But it's still true. And I would say the same thing is true of our Heavenly Father toward us. He is with us, although we don't always know it. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we could just, like no faith required, but we could just look over, like right next to us and and like, oh, there's Jesus. We could just see him, right? Like, hi, Jesus. Oh, it's so good to see you because like when I was looking over there, I just, I forgot you were there, but now I can just look over and there you are. Oh, I'm so like reassured right now. Wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? Well, obviously we can't do that physically right now. Although that will change one day. But here's what we can do. We can have that assurance spiritually. And and here's what I mean. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, here's what he said. Come to me, all who labor, And are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so picture two oxen all right one one oxen is like um really strong. Uh, it's, it's older and, and it's, it's plowed fields before. Like like this oxen is familiar with the work at hand. And then the second oxen, right? It, picture this. Like it's younger. It's weaker. It's never plowed a field before. All right. But you've got these two oxen and they're linked together by a yoke. All right. So you got you got it around this, this oxen here, and then you got the other weaker one here. And, and, and like they're plowing the field together. Now, I got a very important question for you. Of those two oxen, which one's doing all the work? Yeah, of course. The older, the stronger, the seasoned oxen or cattle is doing all of the work. Okay? And, and, and the truth or the idea is this. We are with Jesus and he's with us, but he is meant to do all the work. All we need to do is remain connected to him, all right, by the spiritual yoke, which is true, by the way, just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's not true. We are yoked to Jesus. If we remain connected to him, the biblical word is abide. If we abide in him, then... We can do what he has called us to do. Now, the natural question is this. What does it mean to abide and how do I do that? Again, abide means remaining connected. And here's how you can remain connected to Christ. Through his word. The main way that God speaks to us is through his word. So let's get in the word together. All right? The second way that we can remain connected to Christ is through prayer. The main way that we talk to God is through prayer. Another way we remain connected to Christ is through Christian community. Are we gathering together, whether it's in person, all right, under 10 now, right? Or, or, or digitally, maybe you're in a Zoom chat in your small group, something like that. Are we gathering with other Christian believers to encourage us and to help them as well? And then here's probably the, the one way to abide in Christ, to remain connected to him, that dominates the landscape of living. And it's this, it's just through normal, everyday life. As I live my life, am I connected to Christ? Am I obeying him? Am I thinking about him? Am I remembering that he's done all the work and he's doing all the work? I just need to remain close to him. So, if we live our lives connected to Christ in these ways, we will not be able to forget that he is here and that he is near. God with us. Im anu el even in the storms. Maybe you just heard me talk about being a part of a group, right? Christian community. If you're not a part of a virtual group, man, you got to get in one. Uh, And here's how you can do it. If you want to learn more, you want to join one, uh, do this. Go to the foxriverchristian.org webpage. It's right there on the front. You can sign up that way, or you can text 555-888. Here's what you do. You text the word "group info" all one word, and we'll get back to you and help you out to get connected in that way.
1: Now that was some church.
2: Yeah, so stay connected this week on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram,
1: the Fox River app, and our website. So we'll be sending Fox River at-home emails daily so we can stay connected. Yeah, and join a virtual group now. They're actually pretty fun. Yeah.
0: So that's a wrap, everyone. Talk to you soon. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.